friends, welcome back to another episode of Perspectives by Women in Securities Finance. This podcast series furthers our mission to support our community as we seek to promote the advancement of women in the securities finance marketplace. We hope you leave today with a broader perspective or ideas about ways to further your network and career. Or perhaps a deeper education on important business changes in our marketplace. Now let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be hosting today's session of the Women in Securities Finance Perspectives podcast. I'm Francesca Sanzone, and I'm part of the North America sales team at Purim. We are a fintech specializing in post-trade automation and collateral solutions for clients across the SEC finance industry. At Purim, we're passionate about providing solutions fit for clients and fit for purpose for today, tomorrow, and beyond. As an active member of the Women in Securities Finance, I'm so proud to be a part of the changing narrative for women in our field and everything this organization represents and is doing to support that continued dialogue. Now, I'm really excited to introduce you to today's special guest. She's a veteran in securities finance and pioneering her way into the evolution of blockchain for the financial industry and Main Street, Nadine Shekhar, the CEO of C Currency. For those not familiar, C Currency is a leading innovator in the tokenization and liquidity space through the usage of blockchain. Nadim, a big welcome to you and welcome to our podcast today. Such an honor to have you and delighted that you took the time to join us. Francesca, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And you're already a better person than me for taking the time away from your holiday. So thank you so much. Look forward to our discussion today. So Nadine, I think the word veteran, it doesn't quite suffice to describe all that you've accomplished in your career. You've held global leadership roles that have spanned over 30 plus years in securities finance. To name just a few, and these are just a short few, you've held a role as the State Street Digital Head of Capital Markets. You've held global leadership roles at Boney Mellon, ABN AMRO, Manulife Investment Management, spanning across various sectors in operations, asset servicing, data, e-commerce, technology, and the list goes on and on. You've successfully led the joint venture and integration efforts of Boney, ABN AMRO, Mellon. And last but certainly not least, you've been honored and listed in American Bankers' Most Influential Women in FinTech. Congratulations. It's really been an amazing career, and it's been really fun to just kind of learn about you over these last few weeks. You've clearly evolved over the course of your career. Can you tell us about that evolution and your career journey to becoming the CEO of C Currency, and what do you attribute your success to? Thank you for clarifying what veteran means. For a minute there, <laughs> I thought you were just accusing me of being way too old. Not at uh, all. <laughs> it's a journey that's been about 30 years in the making. I started my earlier years in Beirut, Lebanon, and throughout that journey, took me to Boston. And I bookended my corporate career, if you will, at State Street. Right out of school, I started at State Street and learned the ABCs of the industry and had the honor and the pleasure, as you mentioned, to close it by fulfilling two important roles. One was to lead the capital markets group at State Street, and the other one was to start State Street Digital, which was really the precursor, if you will, to help State Street enter the digital age in terms of blockchain, tokenization, AI, all the innovative technology. You did a nice job highlighting a lot of my career, but it was that foundation that led me to be very curious about blockchain 
I caught digital bug at Manulife where I was in charge of innovating, if you will, or totally transforming the front, the middle, and the back office there. And we started looking at data strategy very carefully. And I started to get a lot closer to blockchain. But it took a couple of years before I fully understood the full impact that blockchain would have on capital markets and the industry in general. And started to get very excited about tokenization. And it was in search, if you will, of the right partner at State Street at the time I had moved to help us shape our thinking around tokenization and understanding how it could impact State Street, both internally and externally, that I met the team at Securency. I fell in love with the vision and the art of the possible of what could be. And I took all the courage that I had to leave a well-established organization, a well-reputable organization where I thought I would end my career and take the plunge into fintech. It hasn't been easy, Francesca. There's nothing in our training, whether it's security finance or working for a big organization that ever prepares you to make the jump from something very big to something very small. But I'm glad I did it. It just highlights, if you will, that everything that you've done along the way sort of prepares you for it, even when you don't recognize that it does. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And you've really pivoted to so many different things, right? Within the securities finance industry to technology. And I mean, right now, there's so many different facets of technology and you've been able to really do that and learn and kind of throw yourself into it and become a leader in that space and constantly innovating yourself. So kudos to you. Throughout this journey, how did you leverage your network to get here? Did you have mentors? Did you have sponsors guiding you? Were they helping to kind of evolve your ideas and help you to take those risks? All of the above. And every time a young person comes in and they ask for a piece of advice, we always tend to tell them, work your network, expand your network. I am living proof that this is really good advice. And I was very, very fortunate at a very young age and at the onset of my career that I met a gentleman at the time I was working at the Boston company that was the precursor of BNY Mellon. And this person, for whatever reason, took me under his wing. He jumped up the organization quite a bit, became very senior, and throughout this whole process, started as a mentor, as a sponsor, and over the years, a very good friend, one that I still, when in my moments of doubt, I usually turn to as a sounding block for the years into that relationship. He was the guy that believed in me when I sometimes didn't. I remember I jumped at the opportunity midway through my career to move to the Netherlands and get involved in the joint venture between ABN AMRO, a bank, and Mellon Bank, two companies that couldn't have been more opposite in terms of culture, in terms of focus. And I jumped on the opportunity to do that. Why? I don't know. But it was one of those gut feels where, hey, that would be fun. And it was. The assignment was going to be six months. I ended up spending over seven years in Amsterdam doing that. And I can't tell you how many times I would wake up in the middle of the night going like, what have I done? What am I doing? And I would pick up the phone and chat with that individual and he would help me refocus and understand the purpose. So it's really important to have somebody who you can call you up when it's needed. Having a mentor and sponsor is not just about tapping you on the back and tell you what a great job you're doing, but somebody also that you have the kind of relationship where they can tell you you're full of you know what, or you're thinking about things in the wrong way or to reconsider. It's got to be a relationship where you take the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that you hear it and you action it, right? You don't mope around when you get it. And I've been super fortunate. I mean, I'm singling out this one individual, but I've been very, very fortunate to have people along the way that have helped me. And part of why I want to do what I'm doing right now isn't a way to pay it back, to help a younger generation be able to experience the wonderful career and opportunities that are out there. We're just living in such an amazing time in terms of 
both finance and technology and bringing them together, being able to exploit the art of the possible. It's really a cool place to be right now. And I hope I can contribute to that. That's wonderful. You made a comment there about kind of waking up in the middle of night and questioning your motives and such. I think as women, sometimes we question and we feel the need to validate all the time why we're doing something, our existence, and why we're in a certain place. But I think it's good to have sponsors and mentors in our corner to help kind of guide us and put us back on that path, right? Because, you know, there is that sense of that imposter syndrome. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be doing this. There's somebody better that could do this. And those sponsors and those guides, they're there for that very purpose, right? To help you, to encourage you, pat you on the back, but also pick you up when you need that. So I think those exactly. underlying qualities to achieve success are really similar, no matter what the scope of a job is, right? So it doesn't matter, you know, if you're the CEO of Securency or if you're on a sales team or you're getting up every day to do your best at that job and help your clients and be there for people and be real. So no matter what the scope of that role, it's important to have somebody in your corner. And it's interesting how we probably could count on one hand how many of those people we have in our life, right? That are really our go-to people for advice and for everything. So it's interesting. I do have somebody in my life like that as well, that brought me in. You know, I worked for him years ago when I was at Morgan Stanley and without saying any names here, continues to be a real mentor and sponsor in my life. So clearly, Nadine, you've traveled everywhere. I mean, you've been global. You've had tons and tons of experiences that have led you to where you are today. Drawing on some of the history and some of the experiences in your life, what have been some of the most impactful experiences in your journey? And how did you navigate effectively throughout all of the changes? That's a big question. There's many opportunities and it's easy to think through the good ones. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, I think where I've learned the most had been most of my more painful failures. And it sounds like a cliche, but I'll tell you the bad experiences mm -hmm. have been- And failure is needed, uh, correct. <laughs> failure is needed. And let me tell you, it took me a long, long time to realize that failure when channeled properly, taking the lesson learned from that is not a bad thing. I'm not going to tell you it's a good thing, but it's not a bad thing versus only building on success. And I've been fortunate. I've had hopefully more successes than failure, but it's the failures that I've had. And it spans a lot of things from being dropped somewhere and not being too proud, if you will, or too insecure to ask for help when you're in a new position, a new country, and you're sort of going, okay, what do I do next? So being able to ask for help is important. It's really Really not a sign of failure nor weakness, but actually part of a growing process, especially very early in your career. I've had, uh, to your point, a lot of experiences throughout the globe, starting businesses from scratch and watching them grow, watching the teams that we've recruited over the years also grow and prosper. And I would tell you that's probably the memories that I cherish until today. I don't think I remember what my P&Ls used to be, but I can tell you so-and-so have both professionally and personally have blossomed and done extremely well. And I would say that's probably one of my biggest successes that I feel very proud of. The fact that 20, 25 years later, they'll still call and ask for opinions or wanted to share their experiences. Francesca, those are the memories and experiences that one keeps close to their heart. On the failure side, you go through your job, you come in every day and you think you're doing well. And Someday things happen where you change a course, whether it was expected or unexpected, you feel terrible. You feel like you failed everybody, but only to find out failure wasn't as bad. It was actually redirecting where you were heading. And for me, that actually happened. It happened when I was at BNY Mellon. I was in charge of the financial institution side of the custody side, and there was a management change. I ended up moving to another part of the organization that focused a lot more on collateral management that was totally foreign 
coming to me at the time. And I tell you, I was beside myself. But that opened up an opportunity that I would have probably never ventured there on my own and helped me be extremely successful moving forward. I don't think I would have been able to manage the capital markets group at State Street without that experience that I had in securities finance and tripartite repo and collateral management. So it just tells you sometimes failure is not failure in itself. But if you look at it as a position to redirect and reposition, it's a win and take it when you get it. Yeah. And you said some buzzwords there. You're speaking my language now. Tri-party repo, <laughs> collateral <you> management. <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing all the buzzwords. <laughs> exactly. I'm throwing all the buzzwords. But hey, that's all I got for you. So. <laughs> that's wonderful. Listen, every position, every role is really a stepping stone, right? To helping you continue to build what you can achieve in these other roles you've been in. So it's really wonderful how your experience is all kind of connected and tied to each other. In going with that, right? In this journey, it sounds like you really stretched yourself to ask for opportunities. And I'm sure in some cases it was your boss or your boss's boss or some other head that said, hey, Nadine, I need to send you to the Netherlands. I need to send you to France, wherever it was, and stretch you to take risk, right, to take these opportunities. But did that perspective, taking risks, did it change at different parts of your life and your journey? Did you take more risks when you were younger in your career or do you think you're taking more risks now? And why do you think that's different? It's funny. When I think about it, I think I bookend my career with a lot of risk. When you're young at the outset of your career, you can afford to take a lot of risk because you've really got nothing to lose, right? And Mm -hmm. you're experimenting. In the middle of your career, you think of risk differently because in the industry that we're in, we're all trained to be risk managers. So you tend to get more risk averse and you rebalance that. As I am approaching the end of my career to a certain extent, there's still a lot of gas in this tank, but I'm starting to think of the next phase of my life. Now the risks that you're taking are different, but they're a lot more than what you take in the middle of your career. So here, once you reach this stage of your career, you've got an established network. You tend to be a little bit more financially secure. And most importantly, you've got a good sense of what you want to do. You're doing it now because you want to versus before you had to do it to complement or round out your background, your CV, your network, whatever that may be. Now, at least for me, I'm at a stage where I don't have to do anything. I do it because I want to. And because it excites me, I jump out of bed every day looking forward to whatever is going to come my way. And the best part of being in this part of finance and fintech is it's so new. We're so at the beginning of the journey that there isn't a roadmap. I'm not quite sure from one minute to another what's going to be thrown my way. You talked a little bit about the imposter syndrome before, Francesca. I don't have it here because I know nobody else has the answers, right? We're all figuring it out. But what I have is I've got the experience of everything that I've done before. A lot of it is transportable. A lot of it is really just leveraging every single experience I've had, the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout my journey to try to make the best decisions that I can. And I think I'm also at a stage where listen, I'll make a decision based on the best information that I have. And if the situation on the ground changes, I am today, and I can't tell you I was that a decade ago, but a lot more comfortable that I can switch a position or switch a decision or evolve and be more fluid as information comes in. And that is part of taking risks that I think earlier, or even five years ago, I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing just because of the position that I've held or the responsibilities that one has. Your ability and willingness to take risks sort of evolves with your career and what your ultimate objectives are. It completely resonates with me. 
I think as women, we're inclined to be more risk averse. I think you see that a little bit more, especially versus men. But I generally see that changing with the evolution of gender roles. I see that changing. And I think that we see more women in leadership roles. And we see that because of the platforms that we have, right? Because of this podcast, you know, Women in Securities Finance, the networking events that we all attend, and we engage with other strong leaders and other women who are taking these risks like yourself. And it's very encouraging to see that, right? Because I know earlier on in my career, If I was taking a risk, to me, it didn't seem like a risk because like to your point, I didn't have anything to lose. Now I look back and I say, oh, well, you know, I have a family. And if I change careers now and you think about the time in your journey, how much more time do I have? You want to use it wisely. You kind of want to leave some sort of contribution. It's a bigger risk to take later on in the journey. But I agree. I think that kind of stereotype where women do take less risks and men are more of like the type to raise their hand and put their hand up and ask for that risk, even if they're not potentially suitable for that risk, right? For that opportunity, maybe another female is more suitable, et cetera. But I think that's changing. I see that changing and I'm really, really encouraged by what you said. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think that stereotype is changing. I'm seeing a lot of young women wanting to take the world by storm. And again, I think the fintech industry is a perfect, perfect grounds for them to come in and do that because we're all starting from the ground up. We're all equal, if you will, in this journey. And there isn't an established infrastructure in hierarchy, if you will, that you need to wiggle your way through. You come in and you sort of set your own rules because it's brand new, right? Everything that we're doing is brand new. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's the exciting part. So I think it's perfect for women in any type of leadership. And you don't have to be a technology genius. I can barely turn my PC on, right? (laughs) But I'm leading one of the most innovative firms in blockchain infrastructure today. I'm very fortunate to have a founder who is a technology genius, but coupled with my know-how of the markets, my know-how of dealing with clients in other regulatory affairs, together we make a good team. So people should come into this industry and feel very comfortable that they'll do well just being themselves and exercising, if you will, their craft as they see fit. I think you kind of led into my next question here. Technology can be a very daunting, overwhelming topic industry, right? There's so much changing right now, but to your point, there really is no roadmap when it comes to financial technology, when it comes to blockchain. I think there's so much that can be done and there's huge opportunity out there, but many people can't even talk about the differences of blockchain and talk APIs and talk all of these different terminologies. And to your point, I work at a FinTech and I am not savvy with technology at all. Why pivot? It seems like such a big risk, but again, you're no stranger to risk, right? You're very welcoming to risk as we've learned. Why pivot into financial technology to to say it takes such a massive role on at this point in your career? You've had a really successful journey at this point in your career, right? Maybe you have, you know, however many years left. Why not drift away (laughs) away (laughs) on a high note, wherever that may be in the world? What's the end game for you? What's the legacy that you want to leave? That's an amazing question, Francesca. If you talk to my family, they'll tell you it was a moment of insanity. And maybe maybe they're right. I don't know. I've always been restless. I've always felt there was a better way to do things. I've always been a geek at heart. There's not a new gadget that comes out that I don't want to put my hands on it and play around with it. And I always, always believed that technology can solve a lot of problems. So throughout my career, I was very fortunate to work within some awesome institutions from State Street to the Bank of New York, ABN Emerald, to your point, and Manulife. But when you look at the financial institutions in general, 
we all made our living throughout these years trying to, if you will, bridge a lot of the inefficiencies in the market. That's what we did, right? And what I viewed with this new technology is the ability of building a new financial market based on real-time information, based on transparency, based on being able to provide access to a lot of people that may not have the means of accessing financial products that you and I have been privileged in accessing throughout our career. So I viewed this stage of what technology can do to the capital markets and the financial markets as a means of leveling the playing fields for everybody. And that to me was important. It was important to leave a legacy of an industry that was extremely, extremely kind and good to me. And that's my way, as I said, of giving back, giving back to the industry, giving back to the people that have helped me get to where I am today, both people I've worked with for and that have been part of my journey. And also, I still have a lot in me to just go into the sunset. I still have a bit more time and I think a fair amount of energy to shape that. So I've been very fortunate to be involved in a lot of that new CFTC initiatives around rethinking what financial market infrastructure would look like in the digital age. And I'm so excited to be part of that process, even within security, being able to marry technology, let's use securities lending, for example, being able to now take securities lending into an institutional DeFi setting where you can settle instantaneously, where you have smart contracts monitoring every element and executing every element of the securities lending process where you can give your clients better returns, you can manage risk better, and pretty much open it up and make it more accessible to people that have been blocked for a lot of different reasons. It's too expensive, it's too complicated, it's too risky. So those are part of some of my reasons of doing what I'm doing at the stage. And I'll tell you, I just fell in love with the philosophy that Dan Doney had for security. He talks about financial freedom for all, and it's something that, I don't know, Mary, I'm getting way too soft in my old age, but uh, <laughs> I think it's amazing, right? It's amazing to be able to open up financial services to the unbanked, financial services to young people that are starting to save for their futures. And I'm excited by the prospect of the way financial markets and the way we consume financial services in five or 10 years will be totally different. And, you know, it feels good to be part of it and to play my role in it. Those are the reasons. It's easier to do it now than it was 30 years ago, right? Absolutely. That's fantastic. You want to be part of the narrative and part of changing that. And that's actually one of the reasons that I came to Pyram. I worked at a Credit Suisse at a prime brokerage for 16 years within the fixed income repo space specifically. And there really weren't many changes happening there. And I thought, hey, maybe I could take some of my experience and bring it over here because we have this great repo product, right? And we want to kind of change the post-trade automation and support how that product evolves from a post-trade lifecycle right. automation space. So I completely resonate with that. Now, how can firms outside of really shying away from what is already happening? Obviously, there's a huge journey here to embark when it comes to technology, when it comes to blockchain and how we can use that within the financial industry, within Main Street, right? The way individuals can use that. How can firms prepare to really embrace the change and accept the change and kind of go with it? How can they do that? Should they come out and speak to folks like you, firms like C-Currency? How can they embrace it? Well, listen, whoever wants to come and talk to me, please do. <laughs> I would welcome any conversation. Francesca, I think firms are starting to realize that the mechanisms of doing everything that you've talked about, right? How do we reconcile? How do we price? How do we process is going to be different. And I think they're all setting up infrastructures right now to think through that. But it's hard 
for an established company to shift from what they've been doing for hundreds of years to take that leap into the unknown. So I think you're seeing a lot of firms, my old firms, your old firm, your current firm, they're all dipping their toe into the water. And there's still a lot of impediments in front of us before we get there. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unanswered questions. But we do need to have the strength of our convictions and try to move forward. I think there is a bit of POC fatigue in the industry. We've proven the technology works. We've proven that there is, it may not be ideal, but we, there is some sort of a regulatory framework that we can operate within. Other countries may have different things, a little bit advanced, a little bit not, but we still have a fairly decent regulatory framework to operate into. We have proven the hypotheses. Now the question is, can firms afford, if you will, start to cannibalize their existing business structures to experiment with the new? And one of our clients, Wisdom Tree Prime, I would say you want to hold them up as the poster child that people that really have had the strength of their conviction. Wisdom Tree is a big ETF provider. They've just launched Wisdom Tree Prime on the security platform. And what they're doing is they're actually the first ETF provider out there that's received SEC approval to launch 40 Act funds in a digital format. Now, they didn't just take the old and move it to the new. They actually gave it a lot of thought and they've totally revamped their business model to be able to cater to a new market segment and to do things differently. And I think that's what we need to see. Now, let me tell you, every time Larry Fink or Jamie Dimon stand up there and say tokenization is the future of the world, I just want to send these guys a bottle of wine and say thank you. <laughs> but we need to go beyond that. We need to go beyond trying to manage innovation through a series of releases and really start to move away from proof of concepts, which we've proven over and over again, and start with the adoption process. I think that's how we move forward. But listen, it's taken us decades to get to where we are today. It will take us a little bit more to make that shift. Change is uncomfortable to people. Why would you change something that works? You don't know how you're going to make money in the future. You don't know how your business models are going to react to this new technology. But what we know for certain is this technology is here to stay. Change has begun. It's not going to be stopped. And my advice to everybody is get curious about it. Learn about it. You don't have to make change in a big bang faction. Transformation it could be incremental in this situation, but not doing anything is not an option. Burying your head in the sand and hoping it passes, I think we're past that. I really do. Right. When you look at the amount of energy and effort the financial services industry is putting into this and the technology units, it's here to stay. But yet I'll close by like take T plus one. Look mm. at the amount of energy, time. You're talking and, my language, Nadine, T right? plus one. <laughs> how much, how much like it's driving the industry crazy right. at a time where we actually have the means of settling things instantaneously, right? So that is the night and day here that we're facing. But listen, it's important to be able to dream and imagine the art of the possible and then take incremental changes to get to that promised land. And I promise anybody the journey journey is really worth it. Give it a shot. Put your sneakers on and jump on the bandwagon. It's a roller coaster. That's part of what I didn't anticipate. Your highs are high and your lows are lows. I promise you that. But when you look back, it's just a thrilling journey. And to be able to have that big of an impact on something that touches every single person's life on the planet is pretty cool, even though we're playing a very, very small part in that process. 
Fantastic. Now, I think we have time maybe for one or two quick questions. So let's perhaps pivot back to building our toolbox for success. You're helping us build our toolbox. What tip do you have, Nadine, that you could share for a successful and rewarding career? What are some important qualities to have as a strong leader? I sort of hinted to some of those, Francesca. In my mind, I carry the three C's in the back of my mind all the time. And I'm sorry for the cliche here, but one is around being curious, right? Being curious and courageous to a certain extent. It's easy to go, I don't say anything about technology, so I'm not going to find out about AI and what chat GPT could do. I'll tell you the first time I heard about chat GPT, I got on, I Googled it, I played around Mm -hmm. with it. I'm not sure I know exactly what it does, but it's cool. It's really feeling comfortable to step out of your comfort zone. Sometimes it's really important. I think it's that creativity is really taking all the experience that you have and trying to figure out what is the art of the possible. I'll tell you when I got at Securency, these guys had some pretty good tools. But when I looked at them with my lens and my experience, I started to find different applications from what they actually were built to do. But that also tells you that Again, you don't have to be an IT expert. Your financial experience helps you do that. So I think it's that creativity, that curiosity that helps. The ability, and we said that earlier, there is no roadmap for what we're doing. So communication becomes critical. Your ability to express your thoughts, to be able to rally people around your vision is super important. There's nothing magical in what I said. It's curiosity, it's courage, it's communication, and it's creativity. Don't be afraid. Just go out there. Don't feel rejection. The worst they can say is no, but it was a no if you didn't ask anyways. And don't fear failure. And that took me a long time, Francesca, to get I knew it intellectually. You hear people say that all the time, but until you experience it and you get over that fear, you're never going to break out of your zones. Don't be afraid of breaking the rules, shattering all the knowns for the unknown, and just never get tired of learning new things. I love that. Curiosity, courage, creativity, and communication. I think I'm going to put that as a post-it note and put it right on my PC so it can hit me in the face every single day. Yeah, there's not, honestly, there's nothing too creative there, but that's what worked for me. And I hope it will help somebody listening to this podcast do the same. Absolutely, Nadine. And if you could leave our listeners, right, and you may have already said it actually, but if you could leave our listeners with one actionable item, one piece of advice, what would you tell a young Nadine or the future leaders of tomorrow that are listening today? One actionable piece of advice. I'm going to quote my favorite brand, just do it. Mm, just do just it. I do love it. it. <laughs> just do it. I mean, you've hinted to a lot of this, Francesca, about as women, we tend to be more cautious, less risk averse, but just do it. Set your mind to something and don't let anybody or anything stand in your way. Just go out and get it done and have fun doing it. Life Wonderful. is too short. Life is too short. In closing, Nadine, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your pearls of wisdom. You've spoken from true experience. Thank you for sharing that experience with us. And from someone who's continuously and passionately evolving and stretching to reach your goals, I think we can all benefit from taking a page from your playbook. Congratulations again on your role and wishing you every success in leading your vision and your new team to great heights. Really appreciate your time today and all of these jewels of wisdom, curiosity, courage, creativity, communication. I encourage everyone to take this all into account. Thank you so much, Nadine. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And enjoy the rest of your summer. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Perspectives by Women in Securities Finance. And a big thank you to our featured speakers from this episode. And of course, all the active Women in Securities Finance members that are driving real change in our marketplace today. 
If you have ideas for future episodes or would like to get involved, please visit our website or you can contact Women in Securities Finance via LinkedIn. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, you can subscribe to this series wherever you get your podcasts. And now for our disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters and do not reflect the views or opinions of their respective employer organizations. This material is for your private information and does not constitute legal, tax, or investment advice. There is no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy of nor liability for decisions based on such information. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.